This is Comic Picks by the Glick. Hey, and I'm your host, Jason Glick. How are you doing, Jason Glick? I'm doing all right, John. All things considered. All things considered. So, what will you be talking about tonight? Well, it's like since this is going up on the uh, on the second, I'm talking about the uh, film that's coming out on the fourth, which is Doctor Strange. Which, wow, it's like things have changed since 2008, and um, Iron Man made his um, Marvel Cinematic Universe debut, and um, you know, it's like. Wait, wait, like, wait, wait, wait. That was how many years ago now? <laughs> it's like eight years now. Jeez, race. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, eight, eight years eight years on from, from Iron Man's debut. Now we're getting into um, Doctor Strange. So it's like, it's, you know, it's like Strange has always been, a, has been an interesting character. He's been the the uh, forefront of Marvel's um, mystical um, side. But, you know, he's never really been what you consider a um, A-list character. Now, A-list characters being the kind who can um, support more than one ongoing series at a time. It's like Strange has only been able to support like a single ongoing series, but um, he's also, there's also been like long periods where there's been no Doctor Strange ongoing series. Now is not one of those times, because we've got a, a decent enough ongoing series from from Jason Aaron and Chris Bacallo, but um, I'll talk more about that later, because it's like I've got a couple doctor. Had a couple Doctor Strange stories already in my library, and there are a couple more that um, that you know doing this podcast for in advance of the movie uh, caused me to get. Some of them, one of them, huh, was quite good. The other one, well, <laughs> was the uh, collection of original Doctor Strange stories from Stan Lee and Steve Ditko back in the '60s. Now it's like now back in back in those days, like you know, it's like like Lee was all about like you know like um. Pushing the Marvel universe in all sorts of directions, you know, just like from creating, like, you know, the family dynamic of the Fantastic Four, creating, um, drawing from inspiration from God, from mythology and gods in, um, it's like in Thor, like um, creating a metaphor for um human for um oppressed minorities in the X Men, and you know, like we get mysticism in Doctor Strange, and so I picked up the uh, Marvel Masterworks edition, like of the original Doctor Strange stories from the '60s. Um, from from Amazon, and well, let me just—I'll just say that the best part about it, I can, best thing about it, I can say this is the low end of what I'll be talking about um, tonight because a lot of it is just you know, hey, Doctor Strange, hey, he's a master of black magic. Like he'll he'll show up. It's like you know he'll he'll be menaced by some by some supernatural creatures, but then he'll find a way to um, disperse them by the end of the story. Oh, and usually the bad guy will turn to be um, Baron Mordo, his arch nemesis, who was also trained by the same um, uh, Asiatic ancient one who trained Doctor Strange. Now, there's there's so many, there's a bunch of stories in here that you know it's like in this origin, in this um, Marvel Masterworks um, um, Doctor Strange volume that you know it's like it's just it just feels um, like like just just like just generic generic problem really. It's like but. You know, this is stuff from the '60s. You know, like it's it's one of those things like you know, hey, yeah, it was great at the time, but now it just feels kind of like meh. I mean, I will admit the um the last the, um the later batch of stories as as the volume goes on, when um Strange winds up um embroiled in a plot that um forces both Baron Mordo and the Dread Dormammu to team up um to take him out, at least gets um some momentum as an on like as an ongoing plot. But it's still kind of like it still kind of suffers in the sense that you know I, all this like that um, that Lee's scripting um, is really it's like is really dated for the most part, and you know even and Steve Ditko's art is you know 
I, I like the psychedelic touches that he, that he gives to it, but it's still, you know, it's like not as like imaginative as as I've seen before. It's like the um the one the one thing that stands out the most though is perhaps surprisingly Doctor Strange's origin, which has um which tells us um the uh, how Doctor Stephen Strange um was a um, arrogant surgeon who um it's like who lost who um. It's like who would only treat um like um people worthy of his worthy of his skill or, or people who are going to advance his career. It's like, but um after um suffering an accident, he um it's like he lost his lost his ability um to perf- to um hold the scalpel and perform surgery, and um then like wound up searching for um ways to cure himself, but that eventually led him to the ancient one and to um him becoming this sorcerer supreme. That's the uh, basis of like of the movie we're getting. It's like, and it's a very, and pretty, fairly strong origin story, you know, of someone who's like hugely arrogant, um, eventually becoming, eventually being laid low, and um, like, and it's like, and then learning, like, learning humility, it's like, and compassion for others. So, it's like, and it's it's not surprising that you know, just about every major Doctor Strange story, um, tends to repeat this origin, this origin tale for him, because it's like, like I said, it's the most. Important Interesting, interesting story from his um, early years, and it's like it's pretty compelling in and of itself. So you're you're going to get this um, origin over and over again over the years. Now, and um, one of these, and this is no exception for one of the um, most famous Doctor Strange stories from the '80s. This would be Triumph and Torment, a, um, a Marvel graphic novel featuring um, um, Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom. Now. This was originally, um, like I said, this was originally a Marvel graphic novel um, from uh, from um, veteran Doctor Strange writer Roger Stern and Mike Mignola before he um, basically told um, Marvel and DC to say, "Hey, you know, I'm going to screw you guys. I'm going to go and create my own character and my own universe and get paid um, for doing that." So it's like, and um, it's but that being said, it's like you know, it's. It's one of those things that basically makes you um, like sad that Brignola decided to go go off and do it himself because it deprived you know like Marvel and DC of all of his immense talents, which are on full full display right here. Triumph and Torment um, is also full of the um, like a, of of uh, the lot of the um, ima- like imagination and ingenuity that I like to see in my 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 superhero stories, and also it's like and it's also and it's a great. Um, like a portrayal of Doctor Doom's character, because really, even though like Doctor Strange gets um, top billing in this story, this is really a uh, Doctor Doom story featuring Doctor Strange. Doesn't start doesn't start out that way, as we find out that um, a mystic figure known as the Aged Genghis has um, sent out a call to all the um, supernatural um, sorcerers of the Marvel Universe um, at the behest of the Vishanti, who are basically trying to. Uh, determine like the, the current um, sorcerer supreme now probably won't surprise you to learn that um dr strange is among these characters but also um dr doom is summoned among them as well it's like even as he's it's like even though he's like you know appears in full armor but um he surrenders his um technical advantage at the behest of one one of the um competitors accuses him of um, having such an advantage but you know doom so he he knows that he's got like he's got the skills to um to, like, to overcome all the just about all these pretenders and um sure enough 
um, the uh, challenge to um, free the aged Genghis from his prison that comes down to um, Strange Doom. And while Strange is able to um, not only um, thwart Doom in his ambitions, he's able to um, free the Genghis from, from his prison and obtain the title of, it's like of the proper title of Super Sorcerer Supreme. But it turns out that there's a catch to this competition. You see, whoever um, wins the competition is um, ordered to grant a boon to the, whoever else survived the competition, was it, was it enslaved along the way. As Dr. Doom was the only person to, to um, survive this, Strange owes Doom one. So, what does Doom want? Well, it turns out that every year on, the, on, like on Midsummer's Eve, it's like he's been um, fighting the forces of, of Hell, specifically and in terms of Marvel's version of Hell, Mephisto, um, to um, to obtain the soul of his of his mother, who it's like who to sold her soul to a Mephisto in order to gain the power to um basically basically take out the uh, like the people who would like the the Turvian um like government who had tried to um oppress her gypsy people. She um realized that Mephisto had kind of like had wasn't uh, had kind of sold her sold her short on what the the deal entailed, and uh, while she got power, she didn't get control. Then she wound up dying in the process, but Mephisto got her soul. Doom has been fighting um, Mephisto's forces every year, like ever since, and um, now he's got Doctor Strange in his pocket to help him get his mother back, or his mother's soul back. Now, this is a um, great um, portrayal of Doctor Doom's character, showing him as someone who, it's like, who is um, arrogant, it's like who, who is arrogant enough to um, like demand. Like, like, um, demand the the aged Genghis, um, like, um, like direct him to the people who can, um, like, show him the um, mystical means in order to um, get his mother's soul back. It's like, um, prior to becoming Doctor Doom, but also it's a great moment when, um, like, the, the, the aged Genghis remarks about how there's this minor Doctor Doom suffers a minor scarring, um, in in his earlier attempts to get his mom back, and Doom is just like, bah! it's like my it's like none should gazed on the vis visage of the scarred visage of Dooms. So who just like who is just like arrogant arrogant enough to just like realize that this minor scar is just like a huge, um, like um, per, um physical impediment, and then it's like then you get the bit where um or strange like um after finding out the um more about um like what happened to Doom's mom, he just like well. Well, this is the case. Like, it sounds like she was really screwed out of her, out of this deal. Why didn't you just, like, like why didn't you just ask me for help? The doom, and that there's this great moment. Where there's like this, there's a silent panel, and then there's this bit where it's like, like doom is many things, but doom, it's like doom does not beg for help. It's like just that 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 sheer arrogance he has. It's like in um dealing with, and showing that you know, hey, he's not gonna ask someone for. Because he, he doesn't believe in charity. He believes in, you know, just like, it's like in the right, it's like, it's like in power as a right. And um, once you get into, um, like, once um, he and Strange go into hell, there's like lots of, um, so there's lots of like, um, like uh, spells flung around and treachery. It's like on, it's like, like on Mephisto and Doom's part as well. But this, but the story has a, uh, does have a lot of great, ha end on a great moment when you find out that. I'm probably not spoiling anything to tell you that yes, um, the um, the soul of Doom's mother is saved, but it's at a great personal cost to Doom, and it's done in a way that you know, hey, wait, was this his plan, or did his arrogance 
um, indirectly cause her to be saved. Um, Stern um, leaves that leaves that um, that 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 bit ambiguous, and it's like the um, the best bit of the of the story. Now, and um, when you and basically when you're having like Mike Mignola draw um, images of visions of Marvel's hell, the demons that accompany it, and Mephisto himself, well, you really can't go wrong right there. I mean, yes, this is um, this is like um, a good five years or so before he um, before he um, dug into Hellboy proper, but um, but his, but his um, but his line work is still great here. The only real issue I have with it is that. This is the first time I've really seen him inked and colored by someone other, by someone, by someone, and this is a Mark Badger, and it's you know it's all right, but you know I I miss the uh, the distinct like the distinct colors that um that Dave Stewart gives um Mignola's work, so that's that's slightly disappointing, but it shouldn't take away from the um from the best bits of the of the artwork, and also. I will admit that this is the um, that this is this is um, originally published back in 1989. So yeah, you're taking um, the the dialogue being overwritten and overwrought as being kind of a given. So, but still, I think that um, the core, the imaginative nature of this of of the story and the um, stronghold that um, Stern that um, Stern has on um, Doom and Strange's characters is great. It's like so overall, it's like. I'd recommend picking it up. You can get it on sale from Comixology right now, and it's also available in soft cover with a lot of supplemental stories that are actually of somewhat some relevance to the uh, like to to Doctor Strange, um, to to the story at hand. Like you've got um, the original story from Stanley and Gene Colan, which establishes Doom's tradition of fighting for his mother's soul on it's like on Midsummer's Eve. Another um, story from Doctor Strange. From Stern's Doctor Strange run that establishes Doom as um see, contemplating seeking out Doctor Strange um, as a, a teacher in the Mystic Arts, and a couple of um Submariner stories from Bill Mantlo and Mike Mignola. It's like overall, it's like the uh, it's a nice like it's a nice package. So even if like you know like, like I said, it's it's um, filled up by like stuff that by additional stories, like it's it's d- well worth your time. But if someone looking. If you're looking for a um, contemporary Doctor Strange story that, um, say, take that um, that that, that um, is more like in tune with um, modern writing standards and um, modern art, I'd recommend um, *The Oath* by Brian Vaughn and uh, Marcos Martin, who have since also decamped from Marvel to do their own creator own stories um, from in the form of *The Private Eye* and um, *The Border*. It's like on their on their panel syndicate project. But, you know, their Doctor Strange story, The Oath, real, it was good enough to make me wish that they had, they had um, you know, gone on to do an ongoing Doctor Strange story. Which, because it's, because it does a great job of, like, of, um, like, of establishing Doctor Strange's um, power, his power set, it's like, his character, it's like, and also, um, telling a nice, um, anti-HMO story as well. Because it starts off with, um, Wong, um, Doctor Strange's um, Strange's faithful manservant, um, bringing him to the um, night nurse after he's been shot in his um, sanctum sanctorum, because it turns out that um, that um, Wong has been suffering from brain ca- from brain cancer, and um, Strange has Strange has been trying to find a way to um, cure him cure him of this, and it turns out, and after obtaining a um, a, a panacea from this 
in this pocket dimension, well, it turns out that this um, specific cure isn't just, you know, for, for Wong's brain cancer. It can cure um, all cancers forever. And I'm underselling it right now because it turns out that, you know, that it's actually a bit more powerful than that. And that's what draws the uh, attention of, um, it's like of certain um, industrial parties who want to um, secure this. And, um, it's like, and if it turns out to be um, what, what they think it is, it's going to be poured into straight into the drain. Um, Vaughn does a great job of um, nailing Doctor Strange's um, it's like his his um his, his newfound compassion, but also but also his er- his arrogance in the sense that you know he's he's a guy who who will um like fight a, a pocket dimension demon to the death um in order for his for his best friends, but he'll also commit um condemn it's like the guy who shot him like guy who shot him to uh, like to a personal hell suffering. And um, hey, he's but he also and he also has no time. He suffers no no fools as well. It's like, but um, Vaughn also does, does a good job of like um, like I'm showing showing you that he's that you know, he that he's good. He's a good friend friend of Wong. It's like that he's more than just you know just that Wong is just more than just you know like like the token Asian sidekick who knows martial arts. But um, and also the uh, he does a good job of setting up some. Chemistry between um, Strange and the Night Nurse, which was um, fleshed up by Bendis later on, because Bendis Bendis seems to love um, picking up on Vaughn's um, like um, stray story threads as well. But that's another like <laughs> that's another story as well. But um, the oath it's like it's a it's like it's a story of like it's a good story of, ob- of obligation. It's like of per- it's like it's like of personal history gone gone wrong. It's like and it's got and as well as like some great straight. Um, like um, straightforward art that um, from from our teen that um, nails the um, that is equally good with um, showing you the um, like like the physical like the um, the grounded physical side of Strange's world. It's like as well as the um, fantastic fantastic nature of it as well. It's like it's like I said, if you're looking for a for a good standalone Strange story, the Oath like is right up your should, um, should be your first bit. Now, if you're looking for a decent Strange story that has um, lots of ties to um, establish Marvel continuity, then you could. Then I'd recommend um, Ecstatics Presents Dead Girl. Now, bit, bit of history here. Ecstatics was originally started off as um, Peter Milligan and Mike Allred's um, reinvention of um, X Force. That w- while this was originally the uh, quote unquote um, edgier. Um, X title that was you know launched way back in the day by um, Rob Liefeld. Um, they they eventually took it over um, several years back, around the same time that Grant Morrison came on to do new X Men, and they basically um, positioned positioned it as you know like a mutants as a mutants as celebrities um, series, and it was great fun for for a good long while, but and uh, and but after a certain point, you know it's like hey. Like it ran, it's like it ran its course. They and they wrapped it up. So, but then you know it's like hey, it's, but it was but it was so well regarded they eventually decided to bring it back for a uh, like for a follow up miniseries. And while it, it while the uh, title's basically the uh, dead girl um, miniseries, and she was you know a character who was dead, but you know could also talk to the dead as well. So it's kind of a plus when you're dealing with um like superheroes who tend to um die a whole lot like in their it's like in their adventures, but um, it's like it's re- but it's also a, a Doctor Strange, a, a good Doctor Strange story as well, as he's um, like dealing with 
like dealing with depression, it's like an irrationality is it's like as well. It's like someone who as he realizes, you know, why have I said suffice so much? It's like I need to stop saying suffice as much. Now, this being Peter Milligan, yeah, there's a certain arch um, self awareness to it. But I've said, you know, I've talked about a lot on the blog about how um, Milligan is very hit or miss. This is definitely one of his hits. It's like, see, I would actually like to see um, him take on a, a Doctor Strange um, ongoing after this. But the uh, core miniseries actually has a nice focus about it. Instead, it, it tells you about a, a, a um, unknown supervillain known as the Pitiful One, who is um, like who is like frustrated at the current state of death in the Marvel Universe, who re- as he realizes that, you know, hey, only people who are really loved are brought back. But he's able to find a uh, loophole through some magical mud in the uh, like in Marvel's version of Hell that allows certain characters, including Ecstatics' own Tika Alakar, to come back for 24 hours at a time. So it's a so it's a fun it's a fun meta take on the uh, nature of death in the Marvel Marvel universe while also um, establishing um, setting up a nice um, relationship between it's like like Doctor Strange and it's like and Dead Girl it's like and as well as like um, demonstrating um, Milligan's own um, like um, quirky, quirky sense of humor as well it's like it more than that though it features um, art which is um, from both. Um, Nick Nick Dragata and Mike Allred, but um, to be honest, it's really hard to tell where one of them ends and the other begins. To be honest, I uh, look at I look at this and I think you could if you told me that hey this was a like a all a solo Allred joint, I could um really I could totally believe you, but um there's also but um knowing more about um Dragata's style after his work on um FF and um East of West. I can see um, where he where he comes in as well, but like um, Dead XX presents Dead Girl is a um, great quirky read that you know it's cert- it's certainly mired in um like in a specific bit of Marvel continuity, but if you're willing to dig through that, then I'd recommend it. Um, also, um, to wrap this up, I kind of going on for a while. Um, I went and picked up. The um, second volume of Jason Aaron and Chris Bacallo's um, Doctor Strange series. Now, I like the first um, ser- first volume well enough because um, Aaron is um, great with um, throwing in the casual bits of craziness that um, it's like that um, served him so well on um, Wolverine and the X Men. It's like and that um, and that um, fit perfectly well on it's like on Doctor Strange, but uh, this second volume isn't well. It's not really as good, and it just strikes me as a pale echo of his work on, um, it's like on Thor, um, on the mighty, uh, on Thor, God of Thunder, because where that series had a great opening arc involving um, the God Butcher, basically a um, someone who was specifically a villain who was specifically designed to take out um, like um, gods. Um, this one has the um, the Empirical, or led by the Grand Inqu- Imperator, um, basically kind of an anti-Superman whose um, parents were killed by um, in- interstellar um, cult war- um, worshipping Shumagorath and now he's basically um, bent on destroying all magic in the Marvel Universe. So now um, Strange and all the other magic users in the Marvel Universe are kind of like on the back foot as they try to fight, fight against him. So this leads them to um, find the um, last bits of magic 
that are um, hidden in like in the universe, basically a whole lot of weapons and all, like in order to take, take this guy out and um, save magic. Now, it now the problem is that the Imperator is kind of a um, is a very blank slate. Just kind of he's just kind of like a um, generic bad guy who um, yeah we get his um, his anti Superman origin, but um, aside from that, we really don't know much about him or his um like or he never really comes across as a um, real character besides the fact that he's you know um, bitter at uh, magic users for the death of his parents. Um, also, um, one thing I haven't mentioned, talked about yet is how, um, a lot of writers seem to struggle with Strange's, um, power set, but, um, in the sense that, you know, he's a magic user, so how do you, um, determine what, um, this magic use his, um, limits are at, like, in terms of, like, you know, like, can, how can you just snap his fingers and, um, fix the plot? Well, if you're telling, if you're writing Doctor Strange right, um, as with um, Stern and um, Vaughn and Milligan, then that's that's not a question. Then you're just, um, like I said, it's it's either a character-driven story about his um his motivations, or it's like a more uh, superhero story that that, rec- that that relies on like observation of the rules of the like of the genre. So um, Aaron has a. Uh, has an interesting perspective in the sense that, you know, magic has a price that must be paid. And, um, well, he, uh, and well, as in the first one, it was revealed that Wong was setting up sacrifices in order to, uh, you know, make sure that, that, um, strange, strange's um, magic bill was being paid. But, uh, he also, but, um, Aaron doubles down further here by revealing that, Hey, it turns out there's a monster in the basement made up entirely of the pain that strange has suffered as well. So it's kind of like he's going from like, um, two different angles here. And also with the idea, apparently with the idea of setting up a, um, a, um, a monster later on that that's going to need to be confronted as well. Even, even though, um, strange and this pain monster have to team up at the end of the arc in order to beat the, uh, Imperator, but the uh, the last season of Magic Volume Two, not quite, not really the uh, say like the uh, the great Doctor Strange story is expecting from from Aaron. I mean, I like I said, there's there's the general tone he um, strikes I like, and um, Chris Bacallo's art is great. It's perfectly suited for the uh, like for the character and like the crazy details he put he puts in, but. And I'll admit this is part of my my problem as well because I I bought the uh, digital version because it was a lot cheaper than the um, hardcover. Um, I I I would ha- I would have had to bought for this podcast, but you know what? I'm still waiting for Amazon to um, put out a Kindle that is quote unquote comic book sized. So really, it's like I'm again, uh, and as soon as they do, like I'll cash in more freaking flyer miles to to, to buy it. But as it is. Yeah, it's like I had to um, do a lot of finagling in order to make it look good on my it's like on my um, Kindle HD Fire 10. So, so yeah, it's like if you're looking for good for good Doctor Strange stories, Triumph and Torment, The Oath are great for um, like like people looking for like fairly continuity light approaches. Um, XX presents Dead Girl. If you're looking for a bit something that you can deal with a bit more continuity uh, heavy stuff. Um, the ongoing series from Aaron and Bacallo, uh, 
not bad, but you know, to be honest, I was expecting better. So I certainly hope the um, like the uh, strange movie is as good as the reviews are suggesting. I mean, they're basically saying, hey, you know, even if it hues really closely to the Marvel formula, um, it's as it's as visually striking a Marvel movie as you like as as we've seen yet. So I want I'm optimistic, and I'm looking forward to it. And um, hopefully this will help drive um, like sales of good Doctor Strange stories. John, um, any thoughts on your end about all this? Yeah, I hope the movie's good, too. When is that coming out? I forgot. This Friday. Wow. Well, this is going to be good timing for most people to listen to this podcast, huh? Just <laughs> like I planned. <laughs> Just as you planned. And speaking of planned, what do you have on tap next time? All right, next time is likely going to be a spotlight on um, Nick Spencer, because I've got um, two of his um, like um, titles in my um, to-review list. And um, after that, well, we're talking about the Apocalypse Wars in X-Men. All right, well, sounds great. And we'll catch you next time on Comic Picks by the Glick. Laters.